Hey, we're on the final chapter, chapter 15, called the church. Isn't that an interesting word? How many guys, when you've ever spelled church, it comes out trutch? You ever do that? It's like one of those words that the R always gets mis... Anyway, let's, right, let's continue on. Page 165, for those of you hooked on uh, correct numbers and the right place to start, John, right? Okay, the church and what? Me, a part of the body? Wow, and you see, these are good Christianese phrases. Church, body of Christ, all that stuff. Let's begin to peel it down. Page 165, as we discussed in the spirit-filled life, we're all gifted, and our gift is needed in our local where? Church, okay. Now, imagine, this is kind of dovetailing off the analogy you gave last time about your body, and if, it, if your leg didn't show up, and you're trying to get to work, or remember that? Okay, here's what he says. He says, imagine an Olympic runner trying to win a gold medal in the 100 meters with only half his muscles, and you're going to have a good picture of how effective, underline that word, effective, because you can be a church. You can be a group of called out ones. That's what the word means. We'll get to that, Lord willing, in a second. You can be a church, but how effective are you and what God has called you to be. Uh, but here's a good picture of how effective the church is without doing your part. Point to your chest and say, my part. There you go. Because we all have to do our part if the church is going to be effective. Okay, Paul states in his letter to the believers in Corinth, for even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Now, how many of you guys uh, were able to be on the committee to determine when you were born uh, how your body was going to turn out? Yeah, wouldn't that be cool, right? Believe it or not. Uh, that's kind of a side issue, but believe it or not, they're actually working that with the genetics and the eugenics movement that's still going on from Hitler's days, and uh, believe it or not, but uh, they're actually having, it's called designer babies. Have you heard about that? I'm really taking a detour here, but they're getting close to where you can design your child, okay? Now, that sounds kind of cool, but the flip side is that they're also starting to run tests. I just saw an article, was it today or yesterday? Uh, where now they're running tests, pre-tests, and that uh, to verify uh, whether or not you want to go ahead and terminate your child, if your child, it looks like genetically, they'll probably have a propensity to come out with this disease. or the, Just another excuse to murder your child. Absolutely wild, but that's right. What's that? Uh, oh, man, you're, man, what are you? It's like we're in Bible prophecy tonight or something. That's right. Yeah, I'm telling you what, the world is getting wicked. And uh, that's the truth, okay? But let's continue on. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's actually read that because I want us to grab the context, what he's talking about, because the context is the body. He uses the body analogy. And that's what he says there, just as you and I, try as we might, we did not have any choice, any say, the way that our body popped out, okay? When it comes to the body of Christ, that's up to God, okay? He's the one who gave the gifts. He's the one that distributes them the way he wanted to. He's the one that makes up the body, Okay? And uh, you can sit there and pray and fast all you want and jump up and down, but God is the one who's going to determine uh, the outlook and the giftedness of his body. But let's take a look at that passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is what Paul says. He says that, the, let's just start at verse 1. He said, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be what? You can't say that, man, as a Christian. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same what? Lord. Now, there's different kinds of working, but the same what? God works all them in all men. Now, to each one, Christian in the church, is given the manifestation of the Spirit, is given uh, uh, for the common good. That's for us, the common good, not yourself. Not to sit out there so you can, as we saw last week, uh, uh, worship God in nature and feed those squirrels. It's for the common good of the church as to why he gave you that gift, at least bare minimum one. Uh, there, uh, to one, there's given uh, uh, through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, literally languages. Okay, and still to another, the interpretation of those tongues or languages. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he, God, gives them to each one just as what? He determines. And don't let somebody say, well, if you want that gift, you've got to pray, pray all you want. First of all, it happens when you get saved. 
by the manifestation given of the Spirit when you get saved at the moment of salvation. Number two, that's God's choosing. Okay, you don't choose it. He gives it to you. That's what the scripture says. So don't get tricked and all that stuff. I want this. As if the, what he gave you was not good enough. Excuse me? Do what he's called you to do. That's where you're going to find satisfaction. That's where you're going to find fulfillment. And many Christians, I think, are called, I call them, uh, had an instructor call them half-baked Christians. You're doing all the right stuff, but you're not, you're, you're here at a Wednesday night Bible study. You're uh, coming to uh, services on Sunday and, and, and all that stuff, but you're not doing what God has equipped you to do to serve other people in his name with. And it's always going to be a miss, something's missing until you get busy doing what he's gifted you to do. That's the other half. That's a, can you imagine a pancake? How many guys love eating pancakes? Right? Wouldn't it be cool if the way that you, from this point forward, you determine that I'm going to eat a pancake that's only cooked on one side? Still pancake, what's the big deal? Wouldn't it be better if you flipped that baby over and cooked both sides? Don't be a half-baked pancake. Don't be a half-baked Christian, okay? Something's missing. Something's gooey. Something's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of good, but, mm-hmm. you know, something. Flip it over. Cook the other side by getting busy doing what God has called you to do, okay? Let's continue on. Now, so, so why did he give all these things? What, they're just to sit around and, and, and collect dust and for you to ponder and maybe someday whenever you get time because we're all busy. No, it's for, it's, this is why now he switches to here's where they came from. Here's what you're supposed to do with them. What it's for is for the body of Christ. Uh, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, okay? And though all its parts are many, they form one body. How many guys can confer that your body is made up of different parts? Wouldn't it be cool if every part of your body was a hand? That might be the one time as a church we could actually clap in unison during the praise and worship. To... Hey, we're getting there, man. I think it's close. Was it last week? It was close. Either that or my left ear wasn't working right. But anyway, that's right. Let's continue. <laughs> but uh, they got formed one body. So it is with Christ, right? We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, listen, Remember, this is it. Serving God is not an option. You know, we talk about this. The, the Great Commission is not the grand suggestion. That's an order. That's a command. And God gave us gifts as a church to serve. It's not an option. And it's so that we can become stronger. We can become, the word he used, effective. Because how effective is your body if parts of your body don't show up or go on strike? You might limp along, crawl along, mumble along. But if everybody doesn't show and do what God's called us to do, it's just, it makes it that much harder. So let's continue on. If the foot, now this is that, that's this is attitude. I don't need to serve God. Or I'll get it when I, when I get it at the right time. Or, you know, all the excuses, all the rationalizations. Or, or I used to, but they didn't give me enough kudos. Or, or they didn't appreciate what I did. Or nobody told me thanks. Or, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for Jesus Christ. I had an instructor that drilled in our heads. He says, the moment you get your eyes in serving Jesus Christ, the moment you get your eyes on people, it's over. Yeah, Debbie. Mm-hmm. It could be something as simple as the ladies, they come in here and they smile people in and they smile them out, give them the bulletin. It's that. And that's what he's going to talk about here in this analogy that he gives with the body. Hey, listen, it isn't just the, the ones with the mouth. You know, oftentimes the one that don't get the attention, the ones working behind the scenes are very vital, right? How many guys have ever seen your liver? Now, John, you probably have an MRI, but that's cheating. I'm not talking about that. How many guys say, man, I just love my liver. I love looking at it. Isn't it cool? I love my liver, right? Can you see my liver? liver? I don't even know where it is in my body. Uh, it's somewhere in there, I hope, right? Right there, John, right there, somewhere in the back. All right, that's exciting, okay, right? Hey, you've never seen the thing, but man, try living without it. Or try one that's sick or doesn't show up or doesn't function right, right? You may not see that thing, but it's just as important. Notice the organs following this analogy. Your organs and your body all have to be there fully functioning all at the same time in order for you to even pretty much function, right? Right? And how many guys would say that the liver is just as important as the heart? It's a, it's a different function, but <laughs> you need them both, right? And so is your pancreas, and so is even that acid in the stomach. 
That's what breaks down your food, right? It's, uh, everything is needed, and that's what he's talking. That's exactly what you're talking about, Debbie. So let's continue on. He says, now the body is not made up of uh, one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It wouldn't, listen, let's translate that in the vernacular. I don't need to serve uh, the church as an option. Or, well, I could help out with this, but I want to be the preacher. Or I want to do this. Or I want one of those ones that get platformed. I want to be up there with Pastor Jim and get to sing these incredible solos. How many guys would love to hear me sing a solo? Sign me up, Pastor Jim. I'm going to sing solo. You can't hear me. <laughs> you failed for that one. No, uh, that ain't going to happen. But anyway, that's right. Uh, no. <laughs> there you go uh, that's awesome that's great one of these days we'll get through this text but anyway that's right uh uh that's what we need to do just because you know you, no don't be say, oh god i i i i want that gift and so until i get that no you find out what he's gifted you with and do it it's just as important as the guy up there yakety yakking right that's what he says. Continue on. He said, and even if he did say that, it would not for that reason cease to belong to the body, right? And if the ears should say, well, because I'm not an ear, <laughs> and I'm one of the body, they don't need me. I'm useless. Are you kidding me? Can I tell you one of the uh, useful ministries here? Listen, well, yeah, that's a good one. And baking those jam and cookies, man. That's a vital ministry here. I kid you not. I've had so many people just, oh, thank you. That was so awesome. But it doesn't happen unless Jeanette takes the time to do it. Right? It's all equally. When everybody works together, I'm telling you, the great things can take place. And that's what he's talking about. He says, uh, but if he said, I'm the ear and I don't want the body, it would not for that cease, uh, reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged. Who's arranged? God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, okay? And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand. Now, this is talking about division in the body. Can you imagine if your body started to go on strike? You woke up the next day, and your heart actually got into a fight with your liver. They just had it with one another. I can't do it. What would that do to your body? mess you up what's the analogy here we we know we get that instantaneously physically but spiritually in the church don't we realize the same thing's happening when we don't function properly together it hoses us up and just as you would have a heart attack and go into a serious arrest physically when the church does that and says no i don't need to or no i don't want to because i'm not this or whatever or, or then when you start fighting with each other instead of working together in unison, it messes everything up. And so I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. <laughs> and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body, that's what you're talking about, Debbie, that uh, uh, seem to be weak or are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we are, are treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Why? So that there should be no what? Division in the body. Again, what's the analogy? A literal body. What would happen if your body parts, not just one or two of them, but they all started fighting? You'd be dead. Why do churches die? Why do they go out of existence? Or why do they just suffer and cough and sputter and <laughs> look sick and sound sick and act sick and <laughs> anemic? Could it be because we don't understand who we are and that God's called each one of us to function properly in the body so the body can get busy doing what the head, Jesus Christ, is calling us to do? Can you imagine as the brain because the Bible says Jesus Christ is the head of the church. How would you like it if uh, your brain, every time it gave an order, not one of your body parts responded? Wouldn't that be cool? Right? Well, I, I knew that was coming, because I'm only going to say, you know, sometimes you, you just, anyway, whatever. But, but is that fun? No. Can you imagine how God feels when he's given us all this giftedness? He's given us a superb body. We're all different, different shapes, different sizes, different giftedness, but we're all equally needed. 
right? But we don't do what he says to do. No wonder we're stumbling along, just mumbling. It's, it's, it's rough, okay? Uh, let's continue on. And that's what he says. God is the one uh, who distributes those uh, as he sees fit. Now, you are the body of... Oh, no, let's back up. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have what? Equally concerned, right? If you realize that the person sitting next to you was as valuable as your liver and you were the heart, wouldn't you want to get along? Wouldn't the last thing you want to do is stab a knife into him? <laughs> Who would you actually be hurting? Yourself. Each part should have equal concern for each other. What in the world are we doing sabotaging our own body? What are we doing stabbing each other? With our mouth, with our behavior, with stuff. It's like we're, we're hurting us. It's, it's, it's crazy, right? And that's what equal concern for you. And, and, and so to the point that everybody's functioning correctly, right? That if one part of us suffers, the rest of us feel it. Oh, man. Did you guys hear about Jose? This is real. This is happening to our body right now. We need to be concerned about that. He's a part of our body. And he's losing his other leg. We're going to say hi, boo, send him a card, go visit him, anything? Give him a call? Say, hey, can I help you? Because you're going to have a couple months of recovery and it's going to be a, quite an adjustment. Are we concerned about it? He's a part of us. That's what he's saying. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. I was talking to somebody earlier today. Don't we realize that as the days uh, 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 progress, we are not going to get as Christians our encouragement from this world. As the heat really gets turned up, we're it. We're going to be the support group for each other. But if we can't get it going now when there's literally hardly any persecution, it's just starting, we're shooting ourselves in the foot when we really need each other the most. Why do we have to wait until it gets to that point? But all parts uh, suffer with it. But if one part's honored, hey, rejoice with it. Let's get the news of John last week if you're here. Dude, that was so stinking exciting. How God intervened in three hours. <laughs> uh, you got this and you got a new job. That's awesome. That should encourage all of us, right? Because he's part of the body. We're part of the body. And if God can do that for one part of the body, guess what? Yay, he can do it for, yay. Thanks, thanks, liver, for sharing that. That's a good nickname, the liver man. Right? That's a great comeback. If I had a piece of gum, I'd throw it at you. That's a good one. I like that one. But, uh, but anyway, so that's it. So now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God, okay, but anyway, so that's the point. So that's the whole analogy he's talking about. So if we're going to be effective using that body analogy, what do we got to get busy doing? We got to get busy doing what he's gifted us to do. Okay, we all are needed. Let's be that fully functioning body. Let's not be that Olympic runner and all of a sudden his liver goes on strike. Okay, or his pancreas uh, takes it out on his gastric juices and really messes him up. No, let's not do that. Let's all do what he's, we're called to do. All right, here Paul compares the church to a physical body. We just read that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he makes the point that just as the body has need of all its parts to function properly, the local church also has need of all its members taking part in the ministry to function properly. Each one of us is a, underline that, vital member. You are. You might be an eardrum, have a couple of hairs coming out of you. We need you, Right? You might be a little toe in the body of Christ, but man, when you're not there, when you get stubbed, that hurts. It makes the rest of us limp. Every one of us is a vital member of the local church, and our gifts are needed for the body to function at the level uh, to which Christ uh, meant it. And this is why this part of the body, with this giftedness, me, with the gift of teaching, this is what I'm here for. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, turn to there. This is why he gave this particular gift to the body. Teaching. Okay? Ephesians. Chapter 4. Verse 11 through 16. Here's what Paul says. He said, it, uh, it was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Literally, pastors, that is teachers. It's synonymous there in the conjunction, uh, to prepare God's people for what? Works of service. Why did God call and raise uh, men up to be pastors and teach the flock? To what? Serve. 
so you can serve better. Not just serve, serve better. Okay? As, okay? For works of service is what he says. So that the body of Christ may be what? Built up. Notice it's not just you. It's not outside the church. It's the reason why we're having these times of regular uh, teaching constantly again and again and again out of the word of God is so that each one of us can be equipped to become a better servant, specifically with the gifts that God has called us to give. Why? So that the church can become stronger, right? It's not just about us. We'll deal with, Lord willing, this Sunday, this whole selfism, this self-centeredness, self-me, me, self and where that came from and what it's doing, okay? But it's not about us. It's, it's about uh, God and it's about other people, okay? Now, listen, it's not only that. He says uh, to prepare people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach what? Unity in the faith because you want the body working together. You don't want the body fighting together, okay? You want them working together. You need that unity factor to function properly and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature, okay? Attaining to the whole... Me- That's an interesting thing. Can you imagine your whole body was a, a was was filled out a fully formed adult but your feet never developed they stayed the size of feet when you were born baby feet now first of all in our society today you probably make a billion bucks because they'd send you on the road you beat on every talk show and you get all kinds of commercials but uh but but that would probably be a hassle so it's not just the fact that as the body, we need to function together, we need to work together, we need to stop stabbing each other, we need to do what God's called us to do. We need to mature. You can't stay baby feet. Anybody ever have a, a child that, like my son whose head grew faster than the rest of his body for a period and it actually got to the point where he finally grew into his head? My, my nephew was the same way. But that was Billy's like, whoa, look at the size of that dude's head. He's got a big old head. And of course, the guy, I'm going, yeah, of course, it's brain matter, John. He's going to grow up to be a genius, man. You know, I'm turning around, right? But he had a big old head. I mean, it's like, whoa, okay, that's exciting. So, but, uh, uh, and eventually he grew into it. But anyway, the, it's, the, the body needs to become an adult, too. Not just serve, not just work together, not just stop dividing and fighting against each other. We need to mature. We can't stay baby feet or baby heads or baby fingers or baby lips or baby ears or baby... We have to mature. And that's part of what we're doing here uh, tonight. Okay, and why? So that we can attain to the whole measure uh, of the fullness of Christ. And of course, there is a benefit. How many guys are sick and tired of being tossed to and fro in life? Oh, this wrong. Or you walk with Jesus up here, down here. Your emotions, oh, you getting tired of that? Well, when, the more you mature in Christ, guess what begins to even out? That, that's what he says. Then we shall no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful uh, scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its what? Work, okay? We may not see it, folks, but again, as the body of Christ, we are like a physical body, and when something's wrong with the body of Christ, it will mess us up just like a physical body. That's what he's talking about there. Now, and yet, we think it's an option. I, I got this letter, and I got to read this, okay? It, it, they actually said, sincerely faithful member. All right? I'm going to read it to you. Dear Pastor Billy, you often stress attendance at church services being very important for a Christian, but... I think a person has a right to miss now and then and be excused for the following reasons and the number of times indicated. First of all, Christmas. Now, it's either the Sunday before or the Sunday after. That's worth at least one. Uh, New Year's, okay. Party lasted too long. I mean, we're excited, you know, New Year's resolution. That's the one. Easter, hey, you got to get away from the holidays, right? That's worth at least one. July 4th, it's a national holiday. We got to be patriotic. That's that's one. Labor Day, you got to get away for that one. That's with with one. Uh, Memorial Day, you got to visit your hometown, right? That, that's worth at least one. Uh, school closing. Kids got to have a break, right? That's worth at least one. Okay, school opens. You got to have one last f- fling before it starts, right? That, that's worth at least one. Family reunions. I'm married, so that's mm-hmm, hooked on math. Uh, two. One for me, one for my wife. 
okay? Uh, I, I sleep late. Uh, it's going to happen to the best of us, you know, Saturday night. You just get all kind of, well, that's at least four right there. Uh, 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 deaths in the family is going to happen. That's probably another four. Uh, anniversary, got to celebrate it. I mean, you got to have a strong marriage. You know, we're Christians, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be at least one right there. Sickness, hey, try as you might. Unfortunately, uh, we don't listen to you, Pastor Billy. We keep eating chicken. That's worth at least five, okay, apparently. Business trips, it's going to happen. Got to bring home that bacon. That's going to be at least three. Vacation, hey, you got to take vacation. That, that's a good one, but uh, three. Uh, bad weather, it's going to happen. Uh, <clears throat> it could be ice, could be snow, could be rain, could be clouds, barometric pressure. Uh, 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 that's going to be at least six. Uh, uh, ball games, that's five. Unexpected company, we can't walk out on America. Mom, we're Christians, we're supposed to fellowship, we're supposed to witness to them. That's at least five right there. Unexpected company, and the time changes. Come on, that happens twice a year. Spring ahead, fall back, fall back forward. I don't know, it might end up being four because I always get it wrong. Uh, uh, specials on TV, that's worth at least three. So that's right, Pastor Billy, that leaves only two Sundays per year. So you can count on us to be in church service on the fourth Sunday in February and the third Sunday in August, unless, of course, providentially hindered. Sincerely, faithful member. Now, folks, we all know there's times when we need a break. Not a pro- I don't have a problem with that. There's times when we do get sick. I don't have a problem with that. But by and large, that's kind of the attitude of the American church today, isn't it? And why are we (laughs) so sick, limping along? Because the body's not showing up. The body's not serving. And then when they do show up, what do we do? We fight against each other. And it just makes it that much more harder to function, doesn't it? Okay, that's what he's talking about there. Now, what is the church? This is the funny thing, okay? This actually just happened tonight as I was coming in here. It's like, you just proved my point. So anyway, uh, here's what he says. He says, okay, now I also say to you, now this is, I like this setup he's got here and what we've done so far, because to me it's like, yeah, that's really important. We, we need to work together as a body. We, and I think part of our problem is we don't even understand who we are. And we certainly don't even understand what this word is, and that's what this section's about. Okay, and he says this, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. This was Jesus' response to Peter's statement that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here Christ made a prophetic uh, uh, proclamation that at some time in the future he would build his church. But what is the church? Here's the church with the steeple, open the doors, and be, you got something weird going on. <laughs> you got the people, right? I mean, you got no, that's not the church, and that's a problem. It's worked into our vocabulary. We got it all messed up. Here's what he says here. Uh, he says, the Greek term is the New Testament. Here's your first blank. This is exciting. You're actually going to write in the English transliteration of a Greek word. Yeah. I was excited. It's called ecclesia or ecclesia. Ek, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. For those of you looking at this in a mirror, that's A-I-S-E-L-K-K-E. That's right, Ecclesia, okay. It's made up of two words if you want to hack it up there uh, with that, and that's what he's going to say. And it's made of two, and this is ek. That means out of, as we get the word exit, okay, it's where where you get that root there, okay. It's a compound word from ek, which means out of, and kaleo, you know, like you make a phone, kaleo, like make a call, okay, is what it is. And so the term literally means a called out group. That's what it is. So the church is a group of called out ones. It is not this building, right? But for some reason, isn't that what we say? Now, I think I know why. It's kind of the same thing we talked before about prayer. Why is it when you get up there and somebody's like, Oh, this is how you pray. You squint one eyeball. You start talking English, and you throw in some Elizabethan terms. Now, why do people in general, they never speak like that normally, but why do they pray like that? Because what I've learned is typically it's learned behavior. Because you saw somebody else. And I'm not being mean. It's, just, it's, learned, it's kind of humorous when you, when you peel back the layers, but it's probably because that, the person who discipled them or, or their pastor even, that's the way they prayed. And so when they got saved, that's how they just thought you did it. And what I have learned, folks, is when it comes to this word church, we just do the same thing. We do all kinds of things. We sing it, we say it, we do it, and we have no stinking idea what we're doing. Let me give you a couple examples. I don't know if I've shared these before. How many guys have ever sang this song? This one's cool. Three blind mice. See how they run. 
They all ran after the farmer's wife who cut off the tails of the carving knife. Did you ever see such a sight in your life as three fly mice? Isn't that an awesome song? Thank you. That's what you got. Hey, you don't need to sign me up. It's over, Pastor Jim. Okay. Uh, have you ever stopped to think about what that song is? Inquiry minds want to know. Thanks for asking, Mary. Uh, that song is a gruesome story about murder. <laughs> Here, kids, let's sing that murder song. I kid you not. The farmer's wife was Queen Mary I of England, and she got mad at three guys, and she killed them. It wasn't a carving knife. She hung them, but yeah, yeah, three my yeah, get them, queen. We, 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 we just repeat stuff. We don't even know where it comes from. Let me give you another one. This one's, kids love this one. You have to teach a kid this if it's, it's a rites of passage. Ring around the rosies, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes. We all get attacked by gravity. We all fall down, right? Right? Now that song is actually a song that uh, recounts a person dying from the Black Plague. <laughs> Listen to this. The ring around the rosies spoke of the rosy rash that appeared on the person as a sign that they came down with the plague, okay, as the rosy rash. The pocket full of posies were carried around to sweeten the air, like an air freshener, from the stench of death. And the person towards the latter stage would start coughing up flecks of dried blood from their lungs, and that's where they get the ashes, ashes, because it's coming out of their mouth, okay. And the final stage is, they'd all fall down and die. Come on, kids, let's sing that Black Plague song. Ring We repeat stuff, and we don't, what do we do? Let me give you one more example. This is not just a repeating. It's a repeating not just in psalm. It's a repeating in behavior. I don't know if I shared this before. This one, I believe, is actually a true story. There was a husband and wife who had been married for a little while, and the husband noticed that every time his wife would make meatloaf, which we call cow cake in my house, (laughs) it's made out of cow, and it's in a cake pan. Case closed. Switch it up. You might at least get one more time for your family to try. The delicious meal. It's a cow cake. So anyway, so they're making cow cake or meatloaf. And uh, this husband is wife, uh, she the wife is. And she, so she cut a portion off of the meatloaf on each side, just and then she put it into the pan, right? And for the life of him, the husband, he couldn't figure it out. And to him, she's wasting perfectly good meat. So he, he finally asked her why she lopped off both ends of the meatloaf before she stuck into the pan. To which, true story, I believe, she replied, I don't know, that's the way my mom always did it. So he decided they're going to call up the mom, and they did. And they called her and asked why she lopped off both ends of the meatloaf before they put it in the pan. And she said, I don't know. That's the way your grandmother always did it. All right? So they actually tracked down the grandmother, okay, and asked her, why did she lop off both ends of the meatloaf before she stuck it in the pan? And the grandma replied, well, back in her earlier days, the pan she had to cook meatloaf in was too small. And so in order to get it to fit, she had to lop both sides off. And it's going on now for the third generation. Really? Is that it? Bound breaks? Yeah. Man, that's exciting. Wow. I think I'm just going to stick to Jesus loves me. I think that's a safe one. <laughs> now, here's before we do this, even in the church, when it comes to these Christianese. You hear me talk about it all the time. We, what, are we, what are we even saying? Right? And this one, I'm telling you, is a classic one. It's almost like a little pet peeve of mine. It's like, it's like, it's like we got this identity crisis, right? We just read what the meaning of the word church is. It's not this building. It is a group of called out ones. It's the people, right? Now, let me get this. If somebody were to ask you this week, hey, what do you do on Sunday mornings? You're probably going to say, well, I go to. No, you don't. How can you go to the church when the church is not a building? It's us. How do you go to us? Now, we gather in a building, but the church is not a building. It's a body. It's us. It's made up of us, right? Or somebody says, hey, man, you won't believe it. John, did you get the email? Somebody stole the computers by breaking into the church. Really? Mm, You know, if you and I got broken into, don't we call that surgery? Let me give you one more. Uh, well, I got some bad news. Last night, an arsonist came and burned down the building. Good answer. You're catching on, Ruth. The church. What? If you're not burned down, that's called spontaneous combustion. Okay. And the one that had to happen even tonight, 
uh, was, uh, as we had talked about over here, was uh, going, doing something after church. Do you see what I'm saying? It might sound like semantics, but it's like, why do we play these games with the giftedness? Why do we play these games we don't seem to understand and, and we fight against each other and we don't realize that every single one of us is needed and every single one of us, I, sometimes I wonder, if we, do we even know who we are? We say this word, but it's completely used out of context. When the church is not a building, we meet as the church in this building. And we're all, made, right now, hey, can you imagine this right now? Here's, here's a good picture. This is a great guy analogy. Remember that movie uh, way back in the day and the guy got into this, uh, this like submarine looking thing and they shrunk it and it went inside the person's body? What was that, an incredible journey or something or something like that? Okay, that was the remake with Martin Short or something, but the old one? The... Fantastic journey. Give it up for Tom. Forget the golf clap. You get a full clap on that one. Now, remember that there? And they went inside the body. Wasn't that cool when you got to see everything right there? Now listen to this. Imagine right now, looking across, look, look around, look around, hearing this. You're looking inside somebody's guts, right? Over there's the liver, right there, you know what I'm saying? There's, a, there's an aorta sitting right there. I, I see it moving, praise God, it's moving. You know what I'm saying? Look at it. there's the brain. Hey, brain, how you doing? Good to see you, all right? Look at that, right? <laughs> We're inside Okay, nobody wants to be the nasal cavity, right? Because you're going to say you're a booger and all that stuff. No, don't, you don't even go there, Ruth. Don't even, come on, that's not even funny. Okay, but, no, but this is the body. We are. We're looking at the innards. Listen, we're looking at the innards, the organs of the body of Christ. He's the head. It's us. How are we doing? Are we working together? Are we each fulfilling the function that he's saved us for when we gather on sundays when we gather on wednesdays when we gather wherever we gather whether it's in this building wherever we are even in a restaurant imagine this is a blob of organs out in the community wherever you are how are we functioning that's what he's talking about it's a group of called out ones the term literally means a called out group okay the word was originally used for any kind of group but started to take on a technical sense especially in acts and the epistles to designate the New Testament church, a group of called out believers in Jesus Christ. What did he call us out to do? Well, let's go back to, very quickly, getting almost there to close, Ephesians chapter 4, okay? Back to Ephesians chapter 4. What has he called us out of? Called us out of this world, okay? And a worldly way of living, Okay? Our body does not function, should never function the way that the world's body functions. That thing's disease, it's cancerous. Blech. Don't do that. Okay, that's gonna, you start doing that, you're gonna bring cancer into the body of Christ. No, no, no. It's supposed to be a healthy body. Okay, Ephesians chapter four. And uh, so here's what Paul says, okay? Now we already talked about the part where it says he uh, gave pastors and teachers to build us up so we can come stronger and right. Now let's, let's pick up a little bit where we left off there in verse 17. So I tell you this, and I insist it in the Lord, that you must no longer live like what? The Gentiles, non-Christians do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened. Their body's messed up, man. It's cancerous. It's disease. Don't do that. You don't want to bring that into the church, into the, to the body of Christ. Okay, they are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to what? Sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with the continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him, okay, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness. Therefore, each of you, what has he called us out of? Get out of that kind of life, and here's what you're supposed to be doing. You must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of what? One body. And in your anger, guess what? Sometimes somebody in the church might get at you. But in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? Because if you do, you're going to give the devil a foothold. You're going to invite spiritual warfare by not solving the problem. Okay? Not working and getting back to functioning correctly. 
Uh, and it says, he says, he has been stealing, should steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Okay, imagine half of your body's doing the work and the rest of it's just laying around. No, we all got to work together. We've all got to do something useful, okay? Is what he says. And by the way, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building of what? Others up, the body. We need to help, okay? is what he's talking about. Building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who live in. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you're sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of, church, all bitterness, all rage, all anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. You need to instead be kind and compassionate. Why? Because I need you, liver man. And I, I cannot afford to have an estranged relationship with you because I need you. And you know what? You need me. We have to get rid of that stuff. It's detrimental, is what he says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as at Christ, God forgave you. How many sins has God forgiven us? How many sins should we forgive other people, especially our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Every last single one of them. Let's see what it says. Now, on the day of Pentecost, okay, uh, the Holy Spirit was sent and for the first time, he took up residence, is your next blank there, residence in all believers. This was the birth of the church. What, this building, that's when it all started? Man, this thing's been here for 2,000 years. No, it's us. People and dwelt of the Spirit of God becoming his temple, giving gifts so that the innards of which Christ is the head can all work together properly as a body. Why? Because he's got stuff that he wants us to do called reaching a lost culture so they don't go to hell. That's a cool thing, right? He wants this world to know that he's real and that he loves them and that he's the hope for everything, which means as a body, we got to demonstrate that, right? Jesus is great. It's awesome. Come be a part of the body of Christ. You guys are weird. So when we function together, Man, his mission gets accomplished. He's glorified. We say that, oh, God, be glorified, which means he gets the attention. He gets the glory. All right, that's what we need to do. This was the birth of the church. This ministry of the indwelling believer occurs at salvation. Is your blank there. When the spirit identifies with Christ and his body. Now, if, oh, here it is, cool. We'll close with this. I'm gonna give you a good analogy. This is the mindset and the heart set that we need to have the body of Christ, and the, the level of concern and interconnectedness, just like our organs, for each other. And man, can you imagine the things that could be accomplished as the body of Christ for his glory and honor? Listen to this. A little boy was told by his doctor that he could save his sister's life by giving her some blood. The six-year-old girl was near death, a victim of disease from which the boy had made a marvelous recovery, recovery two years earlier. Her only chance for restoration was a blood transfusion from someone who had previously conquered the illness. Since the two children had the same rare blood type, the boy was the ideal donor. So uh, he was asked, Johnny, would you like to give your blood for Mary? The boy actually hesitated. Then his lower lip started to tremble. He paused, and then he smiled, and he said, Sure, Doc, I'll give my blood for my sister. So the two children were wheeled into the operating room. Mary, she was pale and, and, and thin, and Johnny, he was robust, the picture of health, and neither spoke, but when their eyes met, Johnny grinned. And as his blood was siphoned into Mary's vein, one could almost see new life come into her tired body. The ordeal was almost over when Johnny's brave little voice broke the silence, and he says, say, Doc, when do I die? When do I die? And it was only then that the doctor realized his moment of hesitation, the boy, the trembling of the lip and what it meant earlier. Little Johnny actually thought that in giving his blood to his sister, he was giving up his life. And in that brief moment, he made his great decision. Can you imagine if we all had that attitude in the church and realized that we are that we are the blood siphoning into the body of Christ, the veins. We need each other so much. We've got to sacrifice for each other. We've got to be so connected. We've got to be willing to do that. And can you imagine the, I'm not talking a year. I'm talking 
a couple of days, if even that. Can you imagine the new life that would spring out of the church if we would do that? Can I tell you something? That's what Jesus Christ has saved us for. That's what he went to the cross for. Not just to get us to heaven, but he did it, the Bible is clear, to create this thing called the church. A group of called out people who would become his innards. He's the brain. He's got a mission for us. And when we function together and we care about each other and we realize that we're all needed for life, his ministry continues even today through us. And there is no greater business than the Father's business, but it takes us being the church. Not playing church. Not going to church. Being the church. An effective, well-oiled, functioning body of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die... And it's coming for each one of us. We're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, You shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly. The Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has 
uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you for sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.